Hi, and welcome to Write in 10. This is Karen Alea, and I hope everyone's doing well out there. If you're doing great, hey, why don't you subscribe, rate, and review? I would really appreciate it. And if you're not doing so well, take it easy. Get yourself a good book, a cup of tea or coffee or bourbon, and just relax. This is an incredible time in history, and there's no need for people to put extra strain on themselves trying to accomplish something. Save these episodes like a virtual library. When you're ready to listen to something, just go back and you can listen to it. You can read the accompanying blog, whichever way you want to do it, and you'll get inspiration, motivation, and tips for that time in your writing process. I'm sounding upbeat because I'm going to do something different this week. I'm calling it my rule-breaking roundup, which I've also titled How to Write a Book. And when I look up how to write a book on Google, it's amazing all the things that come up. I, all my life, have wanted to be a writer. What does that mean? It means different things to different people. But I can tell you this. I was always looking for that right answer that was going to turn me into a writer, a successful writer. A writing friend and I, hey Patty, have joked before about searching for that one thing that's going to change everything. Is it the right kind of desk? Do we read the book on writing that's just going to make everything click and so much easier? Are we going to run into someone who offers to be our mentor? A lot of energy was spent seeking out that elusive answer that was going to change everything. It's much the same when I googled how to write a book. Everything is compiled into this one blog page for people out there to follow or get inspiration, and they're supposed to come out with a 300-page book from that. We all know it's much harder than that. The limitations of this podcast is, well, I'm sort of long-winded, and this is a very short podcast. I'm thinking of changing the title from Write in 10 to Write in 4 Hours. I hope that's okay with you. But this 10-minute long limitation that I've put on myself, I know is great for the listener, because you have a lot of things to do. And you can get overwhelmed, just like I do, if you hear too much information. So I'm trying to get to a point where you hear something different every week, and then you can use this as a library. You go back, you look up different topics that are interesting to you at that moment in your writing. Right now, you might be beginning a book, so you don't need to know about agents and publishers, but later you will, and that's when you can just go to the Write in 10 website, writein10.com, and there's a search bar. Put in agents, and up will come that episode and a corresponding blog with links to walk you through it. 
The rule-breaking part of today is that, yeah, I'm not going to stop at 10 minutes. It's going to keep going forever. Have I found a way that's super easy and will save you heartache and time to write your book? No. If I did, I would be a millionaire. As you know, it's just not possible. And if anyone approaches you and says it is and then tries to sell you something, be very wary. Just slip me an email. I'll talk you out of it. Before I start, I just want to tell you to stay through to the end of this because I'm going to be talking about some free online workshops that I'll be doing and that everyone will be able to interact with. It's really going to help you. It's going to focus on how to present your work to agents and publishers and then where they're going to be on a certain day in September online so that you can either observe what's going on if you're not ready to pitch them or you can pitch them. So how do you start writing a book? Well, I sort of addressed that in episode one when I did the episode, Do You Have the Talent to Be a Writer? Now, if you haven't listened to that, again, it's short, it's sweet-ish, as sweet as someone like me can be, and it really just discusses and motivates you saying, is this what you want to do? And if it is, let's do it. That's the only way you're going to know if you have talent. Hard work can equal and come into contact with what looks like talent. Yes, that might sound confusing there, but it's the same if someone's a, quote, natural-born runner, and they come up against someone who is running every day, writing it down, trying to up their times, and you put them in a race. After a while, it's very hard to see who has the natural talent and who has developed it with hard work over time. If I were to pull out some writing that I've done not only long in the past, but sometimes last week, because rewriting is really where the good stuff happens. So some of my writing used to be very uh, writerly. I felt that I wasn't smart growing up, um, probably because I got terrible grades. Now I just blame that on a late diagnosis of ADD. It's true, it might not be the reason why, but it makes me feel better. But my writing was very, uh, look, I'm important. I know this word. I can bring in this subtle metaphor. Look at this religious allegory. And what I was really doing was putting a barrier between the reader and the story. I was taking them out and trying to point them at myself. When you're listening to advice from these other authors that come in on this podcast, remember that we have all done some embarrassing, silly, stupid things in the past. It really is with rewriting and just putting in that work every day or every week, whatever your schedule is, that you will begin to see that you are increasing in that, quote, talent 
that you've been seeing in authors that you've followed and been in love with for years. I would love if you went to Write in 10, the group on Facebook, and tell me what author was the one that really got you into writing, got you in love with the written word. I think, you know, growing up, I always enjoyed reading, but I think it was later when I, I think I read Amy Tan and then um, The Hours by Michael Cunningham. I love those. And now I'm much more into current memoirs, um, and humor. So you have these different phases, and you emulate things and styles, and I want you to know that's totally legitimate. So never feel like, oh, I shouldn't be reading things similar when I'm writing it. You do what you need to do to feed your creativity. We get into the next really important way to write that book, and that is shutting out your critics. We had Mary Laura Philpott come on. She has written a great book called I Miss You When I Blink. You can find all this at the website, find out all about her. But she talks about, you know, getting away from that inner critic. And I know that I've had to do this with family members mentally. I picture putting them outside the doorway, closing the door, being, I love you, I'll take care of you in a minute. But for right now, I have to be true to either my characters or where I'm going with my own writing if it's more personal. This is a time for you, for you not to feel that every word you write is going to be published, that everything you have in you that's coming out is so precious that it needs to stay in your work. Mary Laura talked about how she has a file on her uh, computer that she keeps minimized. And if she puts something in her work that she knows doesn't belong there, but she's in love with it, a great sentence, metaphor, scene, she just zips it out of there, sticks it in a brain dump file for later. And I think that's a great idea because I've done that myself. I go back to what I label brain dump. I look at it, and with some distance, I either realize that wasn't that good, or it sparks a whole new idea, a whole new story, whatever it is, to come forth and get me motivated once again. Remember that writers write and people who are writing are writers. Repeat those to yourself daily. I have always struggled with calling myself a writer, and there are people who don't struggle with calling themselves a writer who aren't writing. So it is this very strange thing, and everyone has a different opinion on it, but I really like what Margaret Wrinkle said in her episode on here, I think it's episode five, where she just says, it's time. If you are writing, it's time to call yourself a writer. That allows you to treat it as a job, to show up when you're supposed to show up, and to get your work done. I love how she brought in two other things. One, a reminder, 
It's never too late to write. The other is how she snuck in just 15 minutes in the morning to write, and, you know, not before long, but in the whole gist of that meaning, before long, she ended up with a book, and then there she is on the Today Show and, you know, meeting Jenna Bush and having her book picked. So Margaret has been working at writing for a long time, and just putting that time aside to work a little bit on her own stuff, and I know personally she was going through a lot of personal things at that time. She and I were in that same phase of life where uh, women, we call it the sandwich years, where you're taking care of kids and taking care of aging parents. And it's really an emotional push and pull. So her having that 15 minutes, it not only allowed her to hone her craft, get what she was thinking and feeling onto the paper, but it also gave her time for herself, gave her something that she was enjoying that was apart from being a mother and a daughter. If you aren't spending 15 minutes or getting some time to yourself or making time for yourself, we talked in a few different episodes about how you can facilitate that. I have an intellectual crush on the two men who wrote about habits, and I talk about them. One wrote Tiny Habits, the other one wrote Atomic Habits. And they are social scientists. They've studied the brain. I love all that stuff, probably because whatever is in my brain is so confusing and frightening. But their books are amazing, and they teach you how to really build a habit, how it has nothing to do with willpower. And it almost releases you when you realize, oh, I'm not writing, and it isn't always about willpower. It's because of the mental cues that I've set up for myself or not set up for myself to do a habit. In episode five, the one with Margaret Wrinkle, I get into some of the techniques that those social scientists have developed, and they're fascinating. They're just these small things that you can do to trigger your mind and body to do a certain task, and then ways to sort of congratulate yourself and do this over and over until the habit becomes a habit. Some small little tips are put your writing, either journal, your writing journal, your laptop, whatever it is, in a new place. If it hasn't been triggering you to write, then you need to switch things up. Put your laptop on the floor of your closet. So when you get up every day, you get dressed, you pick that up, you take it with you wherever you want to go or sit down on the floor right then. Or put it on top of your tennis shoes. Put it on your toilet seat. Do something that triggers something else. I talked about how I love coffee, so coffee itself is my reward. I don't know why I love my Keurig so much, but the idea of having Starbucks Pike Place coffee 
every morning with some artificial creamer that's probably going to destroy my brain in older age, it makes me so happy. So the idea that I will have a routine that the coffee itself that I drink every morning has to come after my small little habit I'm building, then puts in my mind that that's the reward system. So go back and look at that. You can, again, go to writeintend.com and in the search bar, type habits, and you'll come up with the different blogs and episodes where you can read and listen to those. So you've got your encouragement. You've hopefully got your, your butt in the chair, which is the, the writer's golden rule, button chair. And then where do you go from there? Now, it doesn't matter if you're halfway through your manuscript right now or you're just beginning. This is something that you can just start at any time, these steps, to further invigorate you. And one thing that I didn't think I would be as impressed about is when the poet Brie Rolf sent in something to the podcast uh, at my request about writing prompts. Now, I didn't request writing prompts as her subject because I have had a, um, I don't know what it is, some kind of mental block. See, I told you the brain, I've got issues, but I've had some kind of mental block, loathing, dislike for writing prompts. And she totally changed my mind about it. Not only were the prompts that she shared with me that I've put on the blog amazing, but when she was discussing it, it really made me see it as this new kind of psychological practice that opens you up to a side of creativity that you wouldn't normally go to. And that's what we're trying to get at when we write. Many times we are bringing our experiences, our life, our everything to the page. But what if something or someone just pushes your head off to the left and you look in a different direction and you start bringing in these new things that you had never thought about before? And that's what writing prompts can do. Even if you know the whole plot of your novel, you've written it out to the T, what if you brought in a writing prompt and one day you just looked at it and it said, you know, include these things, include an heirloom, include the sound of a whirring fan, and um, the color red. See where it takes you. See what it opens up in you that you weren't planning to do. Describing maybe uh, some historical genealogical things about your main character or some emotional ones that bring back memories in them. There's a million ways it could go. You know, there, again, are countless ways to do this, and especially for memoir, it's great to use ones that include setting. Perhaps it's write a scene about your childhood bedroom in contrast with your adult bedroom. One of them 
you didn't really make any choices for. Your parents did. And this one, you've made some choices. You'll be able to show them your changing economic status. You'll show them your different likes. You also put them in a specific time. If you had a picture like I did of Holly Hobby framed on your wall at a certain point, that says a lot about your character back then, innocent and sweet I was, and the colors. It was all that orangey-brown ickiness of the 70s. But it also helps your reader once again get introduced to maybe your age now. And you don't always want to be saying, you know, I'm now this old or this is how old I was when this was happening. These small things can go ahead and trigger that in the reader. As you're writing your book and you get bogged down, you just don't feel like facing it again. Writing prompts will change your writing life. I promise you. Just look up writing prompts on Write and Ten website or just put them in Google. There are so many of them, and you can just put them, you know, writing prompts for a fantasy novel, writing prompts for childhood memoir. You're going to come up with tons of things, ideas, and just tell yourself, okay, I'm picking this one. I'm going to write on it for 20 minutes. Because lots of times we can give up and say, oh, this is too hard, and pushing ourselves until our sort of subconscious starts picking up the thread is important for us to get past our own resistance. During this middle time in your book or your manuscript, another good thing to keep you going, keep you focused, is what Hannah Harlow mentioned She's the former marketing director at Harcourt Mifflin, Harcourt Mifflin, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. There we go. And she now owns an independent bookstore. You can go find her bookshop of Beverly Farms. It's online. It's adorable. But she talks about her writing group, and I'm super envious of it. She has writers that push each other forward And not only keep track when you haven't been writing for a bit and they remind you and say, hey, you know, just put something on paper. We just want to see something from you, which is hugely helpful. But they also help each other when it comes time to pitching or submitting or finding an agent. They get together look up agents, look up writing journals that they want to submit to, and they do that together to give each other encouragement. During COVID, it's a little more difficult. If you don't have a writing group, again, show up at Writington on Facebook. Let's get some things going where you might be able to match with someone and do some writing exchanges with them. There's a great nonfiction book by Gretchen Rubin. She has a podcast. It's about the mind. And again, we see I need therapy. But she has this great podcast and this book called The Four Tendencies. And it talks about different ways people are motivated to do anything in their lives. 
from getting out of bed to, you know, their work life, relationships. And I'm what is called the, it's not the loser, is it? No. No, it's called the obliger. So there's four different ways you interact with the world. Mine interacts when I am responsible to someone else. Give me an assignment, I will do it. I'm a people pleaser. These things are mostly inherent, so don't beat yourself up when you see someone else that just does not need the same kind of structure and motivation that you do. One of the stories in that book really hit me because this would be me. This one guy wanted to exercise more and go to the gym. So what he did, because he found out he was an obliger, every time he worked out with a pal, because that was the, you know, buddy system to keep him accountable, he had to go a step further because he knew himself. He knew he would call his buddy in the morning and say, oh, I can't make it, or I'll catch you tomorrow. At the end of their previous workouts at the gym, they would take off their tennis shoes and hand them to each other. That way, the original slacker guy, who's very similar to me, we are renaming it Obliger to make us sound better, he would feel obliged that if he doesn't go to the gym, his workout buddy won't have shoes to work out in because he's got them. So I am very much like that. Having one writing buddy, much less a group that can do that, is very important. We're going to accelerate to the end of your manuscript. You've done it. You get to have a drink or a leg of lamb or whatever you enjoy. And then you have to think about how you're going to publish it. We did an episode on traditional publishing versus self-publishing. The choice is really up to you. And there are different benefits and strengths to each one. You can listen to that and look online for that blog and figure out what works best for you and what puts you towards your career goals. You can go to the episode about finding literary agents where I point you to where you can find them, where they're hanging out, and that brings us to what's happening soon. So September 8th is Pit Mad. Pit Mad is short for pitch madness. It's something that's been going on on Twitter for a few years now. And I think this one on September 8th will probably be its largest one. Pitch madness is when you write a one to two sentence pitch about your book. It doesn't matter if it's a picture book, an adult memoir, Whatever it is, you write that, put it on Twitter on that one day. This happens four times a year. And writers and friends, whoever can retweet it, and I'll explain that more later, they retweet it, but agents and editors will be online looking. And if they like it, 
then that means they are asking you to write them directly. They'll give you instructions or you go look at what they've said on their own profile. They want you to send them either a query letter or part of the book you've written. They will let you know. We're seeing increasing success stories coming out of this little event, and it's amazing that now people in Peoria can have, quote, face-to-face -face contact with these New York agents. I think this will be the biggest one due to COVID and that agents and publishers are spending more time on Twitter in general because they are home. The last three weeks of August... I'm going to be doing some free online workshops and teaching people how to write a pitch, how to get on Twitter even, what PitMad is, and how to write a query letter. Not only will we go over those, but it's going to be interactive where you bring your questions, you can show us, anyone who's watching and listening, Show us what you've been writing on your elevator pitch. We can put it in the Facebook group. We all can suggest things or ask for clarifications and really make you go into September feeling confident that you can pitch an agent. What if you're going to do self-publishing? A query letter and a pitch are exactly what you use on the back of your book. Plus, you use it in your marketing. If you haven't even started your book or you're not close to finishing it, that's okay. Join in. Try and do this, and it's probably going to help you understand what you really are writing or what you want to write. You can do a little mock-up of where you think you're going and what it is right now in your head, and then later, you just come back to it and tweak it because query letters have a specific format, so all you need to do is plug in what you've done when you finish the book. To find out when and where this is going to be, the best way to do this, because I'm still debating times for people, is to go to writein10.com. You'll see a pop-down thing that says sign up for the newsletter or to get your free writing game plan. Go ahead and fill that out. I will be sending out all the information to people very soon. And if you haven't done the writing game plan, I highly suggest it. I developed it with uh, different studies that have been done on what are the best ways to tackle a goal or to keep track of your writing. Phew, if you stuck through all this... I really appreciate it. Everything is going to go back to 10 minutes after this, but I just wanted to give you all insight of how all these short episodes can be placed together and really can help you begin, write, and finish and publish whatever you're wanting to do. I have something new and fun on the website. If you look under Fun Stuff... We have some cute stickers that I asked Sophia Ford, who I might or might not have birthed, to make for me. 
Um, they are distributed by Redbubble, which is, you know, ships everywhere, and they do all the manufacturing. But she did the art for it, and she's done different literary figures I asked her to. So there's Shakespeare and Virginia Woolf, Maya Angelou. Uh, who's the one that's scary? Oh, Edgar Allan Poe, that's him. And please suggest more because I love these. You can get them on a tote or a shirt or a sweatshirt. I have the stickers. Go ahead and drop me a line. I'm at Karen at writeintin.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm open to suggestions anytime of what to cover. We have some really exciting guests coming up who are talking on very interesting things that I think people will be excited about. And I am always looking for traditionally published people of color to uh, participate in this podcast. So if you know someone like that, go ahead and forward their name to me or forward my name to them. To keep this podcast going, I do ask you to click on the lovely affiliates in the show notes under this episode. They are Skillshare, where you can take any kind of class you want. Painting, probably sewing, I don't know, I made that up. Filmmaking, uh, and of course writing. Your lockdown and COVID, maybe you have some extra time and that would really benefit you or occupy you. It would be great for teens who are staying at home also. And it's super affordable. Plus, you get my discount there. So you just click on that, go see what they have available, spark your creativity. Scrivener. Scrivener is what I use. A lot of professional writers use it. It helps organize your writing you can store your research in, in one file. You can post pictures that give you an idea of the setting to keep in your mind. Of course, the writing itself can be shifted around because you can look at it on little index cards. It's crazy all it does. And I only use about a tenth of what it can do, but it's very helpful. And of course, there's Grammarly. Grammarly will catch your mistakes before you humiliate yourself like I have done many a time. There's a free version of it, and then the paid is super inexpensive. If you're doing any kind of academic or writing that's going to go to newspapers or online places like Washington Post, definitely get yourself Grammarly because agents and editors at these places really want to see clean copy when you submit it. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you next week. Stay well.